you know, just to give you a perspective, right? So let's say if I'm trying to do something in potatoes, right? so potatoes uh, in the north grows once a year. So it grows in the typically sowing happens in the October, November, October cycle. And then the harvesting starts around January through March. So that's like, you know, once a year. So if you, you know, miss anything, then the next cycle is the following year, right? It's unlike software where you can get releases out like every week. So you have to be mindful of that, that, you know, it's a different ball game. You know, it does require patience. But the good part is that, you know, I think the impact can be very huge because there is not a lot that has been done. So that is uh, the plus side, but be patient. Hello and welcome to the Startup Operator Podcast. I'm Roshan Karyapa. Every week, I speak to founders, operators, and investors in the Indian startup ecosystem to understand what it takes to build and scale the next unicorn. If you haven't done so already, please follow or subscribe to the Startup Operator and rate and review us on your favorite platforms. This week, we have Varun Kurana, who's a three-time entrepreneur and former CTO of Growfers on the podcast. Varun is now the co-founder of Grow Farms or OTP, which is their consumer service that some of you may be familiar with in NCR. Varun is striving to make fresh produce demand-driven. And to that end, he's working with farmers to optimize the very complex supply chain ecosystem with predictive algorithms and whatnot. In this conversation, Varun speaks about his transition from a techie to an agripreneur, what inspired that, what he's learned while working in the space, and really what it takes to build a successful agribusiness. This is a podcast with a lot of wisdom. I'm sure you'll like it. So let's get started on this episode of the Startup Operator Podcast with Varun Kurana. Hey, Varun, welcome to the Startup Operator Podcast. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you, Roshan. Thank you for having me. Look forward to our interaction today. Yeah, this is going to be a fascinating chat, I'm sure, right? Uh, we've had a couple of agri entrepreneurs earlier, and those are some of the more interesting conversations that I've had because it's a, it's a sector and domain that I think, you know, not a lot of people are aware of, right? I want to talk to you about, you know, your transition. You've been a techie for most of your life, right? And somewhere, you know, you transitioned into being an agri entrepreneur. Those are two different worlds, uh, it seems like, right? I mean, because tech is a lot more deterministic world, right? It's ones and zeros, whereas agri seems to be a very probabilistic uh, world, right? I mean, you're dependent on the vagaries of, uh, you know, mother nature and so on. So, right. you know, how did this shift happen? And what did you learn? What, how, you know, how are you adjusting to this new space? Sure, absolutely. So you're right, you know, I have had a very, you know, this huge, the transition is pretty massive. If you look at it, because I, you know, I graduated from IIT Delhi in computer science, which is like, you know, hardcore tech tech. And then the job that I took up was in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley. So that again is like, you know, the, the mecca of all technology, right? And then um, after spending five years in the US, I moved back to India. You know, I've been a serial entrepreneur since. Now, I would say the reason for uh, going into agri. So one was that right before I started uh, my current company, Crow Farm and you know, OTP is the name of the fruits and vegetable service that we offer to consumers. So right before starting this, I was the chief technology officer at Grofers, which is now Blinkit, uh, which is into quick commerce. And one of the things that has been existent, you know, while I was there and also from what I hear now is that, uh, you know, Fresh was a, I would say a very small contributor to the business. So it was a 2% contributor to the business and a 20% contributor to the complaints. So that was, you know, one thing which uh, was obviously exciting, 
that you know this is a an interesting problem to solve so that was one secondly um actually two other reasons so one is that what i've seen is that you know in life when uh, the biggest innovations happen uh, roshan when you know two completely different disciplines you know they kind of come together so you know you see a lot of i would say you know wonders come out right and i think in those days in agri you know there were at least there were talks happening around you know about how iot is impacting you know soil quality and how you can measure and so on so actually agri has a lot of things to it so this was one thing that i felt and third thing was that see i have done two startups before this and exited them successfully the last one i exited two growers and that is how i was the cto there and i really wanted to do something which has enough i would say you know huge horizons available for me you know i didn't want ki you know video quick thing you know done and it's over i was really like you know something if you know i could do it for a decade two decades you know i don't have but it should be a you know a meaningful problem to solve so broadly i would say these are the you know the three reasons that enticed me into venturing into agri or agri tech right and you've been in the space for a while right i mean i think since 2014 2015 you've been involved in that space uh, in some form or fashion how have you seen that uh, you know space evolve uh, right i mean in the last 8 uh, to 10 years and also what are those adjustments that you've had to make you know simply from a mindset perspective because i'm sure that you know both these worlds are very disparate right so see i started uh, crow farm in 2016 we are in 2022 right now so it has been 6 years I think back then at least if I talk about the venture world investment in agri was not happening as much you know broadly checks to the tune of 2 million uh, ballparks is what I think I had heard at the time so it was not you know as talked about the number of startups were also fewer and the number of investors were also fewer and you know I think both are correlated because if you think about it typically you'll find you know entrepreneurship also I would say aligns itself with areas where more capital is available you know that is you know that happens that is something that uh, if you see history you'll you'll see history talk about it like every now and then like you know i've even heard that during the days of uh, vasco da gama there was capital that was available for, for exploring other lands and you know that is why there were a lot of i would say uh, exploratory you know ship adventures that would happen so you know this is history and i think so the, so that is uh one reason so now i think the capital available is much more uh there are investments that are going into it and i would say both in india and in the us so i think that is one thing that has changed and correspondingly the number of startups also has increased significantly uh so overall i think uh, it's in a very good position right now I, and i would say the best at least in the last couple of years that i have seen right when you look at the space right as an outsider i mean you see a plethora of problems and also classic problems that tech can solve right like things like you know fragmentation information asymmetry and so on and so forth but then i mean how did you pick on the idea that you want to solve right how did it speak to you and uh, how how did the whole idea to product to company happen so you're right see if you look at agri you'll find actually there are you know wonderful wonderful problems all over the place that are there to solve so people have been talking about solving for inputs which is seeds fertilizers pesticides which is stuff that goes into into growing a crop then while you're growing people have been doing there have been startups around farm equipment sharing 
because a lot of stuff happens manual so if you can time share some of these things and it is can be lower cost than labor then you know it is worthwhile then uh, there is financing opportunities because from a farmer standpoint when you are sowing a crop that is when you need a bulk of your uh, or that is when you incur a bulk of your cost you will you know all the the sowing the labor the seeds including fertilizers etc and you get the value of that crop once it has grown and the harvesting has happened which can easily be you know 2 months 3 months these are you know easy cycles especially in the fruits and vegetables category so uh, and then the last thing is the output problem for a farmer ki you know once i have grown you know where do i sell what value will i get and so on so what i realized roshan was that i think output is the mother of all problem the reason is that see if you talk about inputs mechanizations you know all the services advisory that you give to a farmer ultimately see however much he earns will determine how much he can spend so you know if you address that piece of it then you know a lot of the other things can follow you know you can because if you are guaranteeing him i would say revenue for his crop then you know a lot of other things you can actually get a farmer to do for you so that was my uh, thesis notion where i felt that output is the mother of all problems and that is worth focusing on and that is what we decided to focus on so varun let's talk about crow farm then right uh, you know describe crow farm to our listeners and uh, talk about some of the common use cases that you're solving see crow farm agri products private limited is the name of the mother entity and we run a service called otp which is otipy broadly uh, the theory is uh, behind the business is this that when you're dealing with perishables perishables degrade very quickly that's the nature of the commodity so you know ideally from the harvest time till the time that you hand it to your consumer you want the time elapsed should be as little as possible because that is what will ensure that your consumer gets the best quality the other good part about this is that if you are able to optimize for that time you are also able to reduce your wastage significantly because see wastage happens when there is produce that is stocked so a simple example right so if you have you know four or five apples you stock them in your refrigerator for a week if you open it after a week you'll see that one or two apples would have developed you know browning and spots and so on now as a consumer to you might still cut that and eat it but you know if i'm a business guy and i'm supposed to sell it i won't be able to sell those one or two pieces now this is in the case of a refrigerator where it is a cold environment now if we do the same thing in ambient temperatures you'll see that the same effect will happen in 3 days and this is because apple is a sturdy commodity if i apply the same concept to let's say lettuce or spinach then you will see the same effect happening in one day so the point i'm trying to make is that if you're able to move it quickly and you don't stock so then that saves your wastages also and if you're able to save on those wastages you can actually not only give the consumers better quality but at a cheaper price also so if you think about it it kind of seems very counterintuitive because normally people pay more for better quality here you can actually make it the other way around you can say look i'll give you better quality and at a lower price 
so broadly the the thesis around this is uh, this only roshan that uh, the you know design a supply chain which is designed for speed so that you know once it is harvested it moves very quickly all the way to the consumer and with that you can give consumers better quality at a better price and in our case we are able to move produce in as little as 12 hours from farm to fork and this is enabled through a supply chain which works on uh, prediction and we leverage ai to a good degree there where we would keep track of things like let's say uh, the weather right so if it is rainy you'll see that on that particular day the sale of let's say watermelon in summers or if i talk about nariyal pani you know that will go down because you know if it's rainy you don't feel like drinking or eating watermelon as much so these factors also impact demands uh, festivities impact demand so you'll see that during navratris the sale of onions goes down the sales of potato bananas etc goes up so uh, this fast supply chain is is achieved through a prediction second is through our warehouse which has been customly designed for moving produce quickly it works like an assembly line and it does quality check we do packing so when i say packing think of it like from the farm i get a ton worth of produce and i pack it into 1 kg units and then picking uh, which happens which is basically like you know if your order has 1 kg of potatoes half a kg of spinach and let's say 1 kg of apples so that is the picking process and picking your order and then last is dispatch this is the second leg of it and the third leg is what we call a a community leader model where at the last mile we have a small businessman or a lady as you know could be a, a you know a male or a female and these are small businessmen who work one or two hours early in the morning and perform the last mile logistics so this is the supply chain and what it takes to basically deliver in the in the 12 hour time frame and the delivery happens in the morning and last but not the least is that along the way we have been able to optimize on wastages to a very big degree so while conventional supply chain sees 35 40% we see 3 to 4% and that saving in wastage is something that you pass some of that to the consumer you help the farmer a little bit by paying him you know a little bit more and you keep a little bit for yourself so broadly that is how the model works yeah this is uh, super fascinating uh, making produce very demand driven right i mean kind of like just in time in some sense i mean that's a very complex problem to solve right i mean there's so many variables involved and you mentioned some of the cycles you know go into months so i'm i'm just curious i mean how are you able to complete the loop and optimize it in a way like you mentioned right i mean 12 to 14 hours uh, and so on so what goes into all of these things right i mean how do you get the math right in terms of you know sourcing and production optimization delivery all of those things yeah it is uh, not an easy problem because if you just if i talk about ncr so we move about 110 tons of fresh produce every day which goes to about you know anywhere from 18 to 20000 uh, households every day and uh, you know we have about you know 80 to 100 trucks that come in every day and then another 150 or trucks that go out every day and then we have about i would say 600 to 800 odd uh, community leaders who the bags are handed over to consumer bags and they would in turn you know handed to i would say around 25 to 30 odd consumers that each community leader serves so uh, that is i would say the 
you know you'll get a sense of the intensity that you know and and you know then all the variables right because the things that happen is uh, let's say you know kahin jam ho gaya right you'll you'll see that your truck gets stuck you will see you run into situations where it is raining on a particular day at the farm so ab you know how how does harvesting happen and uh, then we have approximately so we have two warehouses in ncr and we have uh, one in mumbai uh mumbai we have recently started and uh, at each warehouse approximately you know 200 uh, staff that comes in every day and it's a 24 hour operation the only two days that in the year that we don't deliver one is the day after diwali so that was like two days back and one is the day of holi other than that the balance 363 days in a regular year and 364 days in a leap year you know our operations are on 24/7 so it is a very intense uh, operations there is a lot that goes into coordinating with the farmers agreeing with them the price on a daily basis uh, planning the the quantity of produce that we will procure ahead of the season where before a season starts we might say ki uh, you know we expect to be procuring let's say you know four tons or five tons of cauliflower every day and then splitting the load amongst two or three farmers so there's planning that happens ahead of the season there is day to day pricing discussions that happen with the farmers then like i said at the warehouse there is a lot of uh, technology that is at play uh, which is involved in the packing picking process so that there are no errors the whole thing is completely traceable where uh, as a consumer when you get the product it is qr coded and in case there is a, a problem and you complain uh because it's it goes scanned so we can immediately trace it back to the farmer and that brings a lot of responsibility so as a farmer you know i know that if i don't do a good job i will get caught eventually and which is why i would not want to provide produce which is substandard by any means so there's a lot of uh technology there's a lot of coordination with the farmers at the back end there's a lot of coordination with the community leaders at the front and uh, they in turn do the last mile with the consumer so i would say there's a lot of hard work that goes into it uh, it's a 24/7 business but it's a recession proof business as well so that's the that's the good part and there is a huge role that technology plays in you know making all of this kind of work together including the predictions and apps on which the consumers order and even the communication with the farmer at the back end is uh, is done through technology so so a lot of stuff goes into making all of this work right so how do you scale regions and cities and so on right i mean because it's very very ops intensive uh, you know as we learned and it's also again very different from the previous world that you were in where you're scaling bits and bytes versus here i mean it's actual physical stuff right so what goes into opening up a newer region uh, if you can walk us through your day zero and you know what goes into it see broadly uh, there are uh two aspects to it one is the supply and the other is the demand so on the supply side uh, you first have to make sure that your supply sources are identified and broadly the way it works roshan is that in india typically if you go to any metro like you know delhi mumbai bangalore hyderabad what have you so a lot of the i would say at least 50% of the fresh produce that we consume is grown locally so it's not too far off and there are uh, i would say there are belts which are uh, vegetable growing belts that you identify and then you know you go out there and you scout for farmers so that is 
how it works and broadly you know you'll find like a cluster there it could be a farmer producer organization it could be uh, you know let's say you know a farmer that has maybe you know hectare two hectares four hectares so typically to that range but usually even if you are able to identify one farmer the farmers are typically very well connected in their uh, village or in that area and they know key who is growing what so if you have identified one then broadly you have a good access to the crop set that's growing in that region which could be anywhere from 10 to 20 crops odd so first step is identifying the the growing region and the farmer base that's going to supply the second part of it is getting the community leaders for that there is i would say some level of feet on street that we deploy uh, there is uh, some level of digital that we also use and we would onboard them now uh, with that kind of fitting in place the rest is just you know getting a warehouse and deploying the technology and tying in the pieces together but broadly you can expect that uh, when you start any city you know i would say a month to anywhere from a month to two months time frame is what you have to budget for in terms of identifying the community leader set the farmer set and then once you launch you basically entice the community leaders to uh, spreading the word in their community and then the consumer orders start to kick in what is it like working with farmers you know uh, i understand a lot of corporates and startups are now starting to woo these folks what are some of the things that you've experienced with these uh, working with these folks see i would say there are a there are quite a few things that are worth talking about so one is that see a lot of these farmers there is it takes a while to develop that trust see that is one thing that is there and see this is a what a centuries old industry right you know agriculture and you know people have been doing it for generations so um, there is a lot of baggage also you have to be mindful of that with the farmers so first thing is trust uh, you know that is step number 1 and you know having a face or someone who's of that area who's known that helps for sure so that is one second thing is that see what we have seen is that typically it's very hard hard to bind farmers with contracts so we don't you know do a lot of contracts most of the discussion is verbal and uh, you know broadly the business starts and then you know as day to day produce moves they get uh, electronic notifications on their phone that this is the value of goods that you sent yesterday and this is the total amount that the company owes you and this is the payment terms this is when the amount will hit your account so you know that communication is digital but uh, you know it's very hard to i would say get farmers to abide or honor contract so you know we don't do a lot of that these are you know conversations mostly it is verbal but the good part is that you know once the flow starts so like we have farmers who have been working with us for now like 4 years 5 years uh, as long as that so these are uh, you know some of the insights that at least we have had uh, working you know with farmers the third thing is that i think within a village the farmer community is very closely knit also so you know once you start you typically the word spreads very quickly so that is the third thing so you serve a couple of other personas as well right consumers of course uh, and also businesses businesses as an establishments like you know restaurants and so on i would assume right so what is the value proposition to these folks and also how are you able to align the uh, incentives and the structure in such a way that it is uh, you know beneficial for all of these three entities so roshan we see the first four years of the company were primarily b2b the last two years have mostly been uh, b2 b2c 
with OTP. And actually, there is uh, our B2B business is very negligible now. We don't do much of it. We have been focusing exclusively on consumer only. So yeah, that is the nature of the business as of now. Pretty much all of it is consumer. There's not much uh, B2B that we do today. And how are you growing on the consumer side? Oh, the growth is uh, very nice. So, you know, we, on an average, we see consumers after, you know, I would say the first few weeks, once they latch on, then once that flow starts, we typically hardly see any drop off. Average frequency with us is about two orders a week for vegetables. So uh, that stickiness is there. And uh, uh, like I said, in NCR, amongst all the fruits and vegetables uh, players online, we are already the biggest and uh, we have hardly done any marketing so far. So as we you know get into that, I think we will see an even bigger uptake. Like in Delhi NCR so far, I would say we have only gotten about 5 lakh households to transact, which is nothing. So there is you know so much more that is available. So growth has been very nice. And I think the next thing for us would be to uh, challenge the offline establishments like you know Mother Dairy, Safal, you know, they have been they're the biggest amongst the offline players. They move anywhere from 160 to 180 tons a day. So I think over the next six to nine months, hopefully will be the biggest amongst all the organized players in, in NCR, online or offline. Awesome. How does hiring work here? Because, uh, you know, it's a sort of a new industry-ish, newish, I would say, right? I mean, when you talk about agri-tech as such, and, and there are not a lot of transferable skills, like, let's say, I mean, you're working in fintech, and then tomorrow you move to health tech or something like that, right? So, so how do you, you know, look for candidates who could be a good fit for you? See, on the hiring side, if I specifically talk about uh, on the agri side, so from a sourcing standpoint, we typically try to find people who are of that area. So for example, uh, Roshan, let's say, you know, if you want to, you know, we have a daily demand of about you know seven to nine tons of onion. That's our daily demand. So onion is a commodity that is largely grown in Nasik in Maharashtra. So, uh, you know, when we would hire someone for that particular uh, commodity, we would hire someone who is based out of Nasik and has you know, knows a lot of farmers who are in the area and has, uh, you know, at least has some level of experience in procuring from them and selling it anywhere. That's, that's fine. So I would say broadly on the agri-tech side, that is what we do. So basis the commodity that we, that we're looking for experts on. So we would identify the best source and hire someone there. So that is the strategy on the, on the backend side. The rest of it is, you know, standard problems with other startups face like ops problems or marketing or tech people or product people. So, uh, you know, those are challenges which are, uh, you know, are omnipresent and, you know, will be there. There was a lot of, uh, you know, brouhaha about uh, these farm laws and regulation and so on, right? And I think it's high time that, you know, there is some kind of... Uh, reform in the agri sector particularly i mean we often hear the stat right i mean 40 50 percent of the uh, population is engaged in agriculture but you know the the yield and the produce and the uh, income is so low comparatively and you know basic things like you know market access all of these things have to be solved right as as someone who works in the sector what are some two or three things that you would expect uh, you know from policymakers and from government uh, to do in the next 5 10 years to really transform the sector See, I think the initiatives that the government took were pretty aligned in the sense that 
you know they talked about how farmers can directly sell and you know there's no there'll be no apmc fee that will be applicable and so on and so forth so i think the intentions of the government were you know i would say were very progressive uh, however you know having said that i think from the perspective of farmers you know the bigger challenge that or the roadblock that happened was not so much fruits and vegetables but i would say uh, dry agri commodities like wheat rice which have a msp you know minimum uh, selling price so that the government has to offer and i think that was that is a big source of income for a lot of farmers you know who grow that and it kind of gives like a guarantee so this is unlike fruits and vegetables where the price can be fluctuating and as a farmer you know you don't know how much you will make and the amount can vary but if you grow let's say wheat etc then you know msp allows you to uh, at least have a deterministic income so i think you know these were i would say there was a small fraction of farmers which uh, pushed the government into i would say uh, taking a step back with respect to those laws but i think you know the government initiatives along that direction are pretty progressive you know allowing or i would say encouraging private entities to procure directly i think that is a good initiative i think you know in terms of other things the government also has a lot of uh, subsidies that are available when you make agri infrastructure like you know if you establish pack houses etc however having said that you know there is a lot of such subsidies that are available to i would say uh, farmers but i think you know the government can also make these available to enterprises or companies like us very easily and you know eventually we would also serve the, serve the same objective uh, which is you know help facilitate farmers to grow that and then make sure that there is a market for it so i think you know these are some of the things that the government can do in terms of making sure that these subsidies are available to startups like us also rather than just making it available to you know farmers or farmer producer organizations right for someone who's listening to this podcast who maybe wants to start up in agriculture right i mean what are some two or three things that uh, they should remember what would you say are lessons that you've learned that will stand them in good stead yeah i think see agri is a great sector there is tons to do do bear in mind that it does require some patience so you know just to give you a perspective right so let's say if i am trying to do something in potatoes so potatoes uh, in the north grows once a year so it grows in the typically sowing happens in the october november october cycle and then the harvesting starts around january through march so that's like you know once a year so if you you know miss anything then the next cycle is the following year right it's unlike software where you can get releases out like every week fail fast and everything yeah exactly so you have to be mindful of that that you know it's a different ball game be mindful of that so it does require patience it does require time so i think that is you know one thing that i'd like to you know tell anyone who's trying to do something in the in the agri space but the good part is that you know i think the impact can be very huge because there is not a lot that has been done so that is uh, the plus side but be patient right wonderful a lot of fascinating insights from this conversation before we end the podcast any books or podcasts or you know resources that you would recommend to our listeners yeah i you know read all the startup stuff that uh, that i think any entrepreneur would read honestly speaking in terms of uh, you know your podcast there is you know a lot of material that some of the investors keep posting as well so that is there in terms of books i i think there are you know plenty there's a book called 0 to 1 i think that's a that's a good book worth reading once your company matures a bit i think there's you know there's books around um, 
I think Jim Collins book, which is uh, good to great. And then there is another one built to last. Uh, these are very good books. So, you know, at a certain scale, they become more applicable, but I think they are, uh, they are good. And then uh, there's another uh, book, which I, uh, which I also read, which is the innovators dilemma, uh, which is about, you know, how certain technologies start to become commercially relevant once they cross a certain threshold. So, the, you know, I, I, I would say, you know, a lot of these books, it's not something that is unknown, you know, but these are good ones. And then uh, I think reading biographies is also pretty interesting. So, you know, reading about Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos and so on, I think these are also pretty interesting. So that is what, you know, I have read and they've inspired me to a good degree, I would say. Awesome. Hey, Varun, thank you again for making the time for this. Uh, I really love this conversation and something that, you know, I will go back to many times over to sort of reflect on some of the wisdom that you shared with us. Thank you and uh, wish you all the very best for everything that you have coming up in the future. Thank you, Roshan. And I enjoyed our conversation too. And uh, thank you very much for inviting If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite platform. Also get updates delivered straight to your WhatsApp inbox by clicking on the link in the description.